Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today's series is called Foundations. Foundations. Say with me, Foundations. The subtitle is Staying Together When the World is Falling Apart. Now, I don't have to tell you what's going on in the world. It's streamed to you full time and screamed at you wherever you go. But the Bible speaks of a time that would come when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Hebrews 12, 27 says this, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. Read this next part with me. So that only, only what? Unshakable things will remain. You know, a lot of times people foolishly think that God is against wealth or riches. That's not true. That's not true at all. As a matter of fact, if you are wealthy, it is a blessing from God. Okay, let me say that one more time. Don't be mad at rich folk. Okay, you may, you're employed. God's desire, God's desire, though, is to teach us the difference between what eternally matters and what is temporarily fading. God is not against this. This book doesn't teach against wealth. It doesn't teach against beauty. But it tells you that beauty is fading and wealth is fading. You know, one of the interesting things, many years ago, one of the first people financially that, that began to help Michelle and I, we were living in Texas, and this person said, I think you need to come back to Lafayette. And through a mirror, series of miraculous circumstances, he, uh, we sold our house over there. And he sent a plane for us and brought us back to Lafayette, gave us $10,000 to help in the move and all of that. And I can remember one day sitting at a restaurant and we're sitting there at, at this restaurant and he looks, he goes, hey, Jake, you see that guy right there? And he points to a guy across the restaurant. And he said, that guy used to be one of the wealthiest people in this whole area. And he said, now he sits over there, he's lost it all. You know what's interesting? That wealthy man has now lost it all. He was actually looking at someone who was his future. The Bible teaches us that there's two types of foundations that we can build on. One will stand and one won't. Now, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's a few storms going on. There are many people that are shaken because their person didn't get elected. Okay. And whether you voted for President Trump or whether you voted for now President Biden and whether you think the election was stolen or not, I want you to listen carefully. If your hope was in President Trump or President Biden, you're in trouble. Those things change. There is something you can build on that will never, ever, ever change. And that's what Jesus is about to teach us. And that's what I want to teach you. Because if the oil economy drops, I don't want your faith to drop. Because if your marriage goes crazy and haywire, I don't want your life to end. Because you know what? All of us get affected by things. Some of you are here because of stupid choices you've made. 
Okay, don't point at people, just say yes. Okay, sometimes storms come to our life because of choices that people that we love make. Sometimes it's not even people that we love, we just happen to be living at the wrong place. Ask the people in California or New York where everything is bottlenecked and shut down and business owners. A lot of times the circumstances around you, if they determine your happiness, you're in trouble. If when President Trump didn't win, if the whole world ended for you, you didn't build on an unshakable foundation. Everything is changing, but Jesus is going to teach us something about building on an unshakable foundation. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus tells us how we can build a life that stands through the storms of life. Matthew 7, 24. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and others. Whoever hears my teachings and to their, and does what? Does what to their life? Say it one more time. What? Applies them. Now listen carefully because I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm glad you're at church. Thank you for being here. You could have stayed at home. It's cold. Many of you are deer hunters. You could have been at the deer stand. Some of you are duck hunters. You could have been out there like me waiting for ducks that are not coming. Okay, I, I, I got it. I got it. Thank you for being here. Many of you though, might be confused and think because you've come to church today, you have punched a spiritual hole that means now I am right with God. Jesus is telling us that the difference of how you build in storms is do you hear his words and apply them? Not hear them. An interesting thing about the Greek language is there is the word here, and it's like our word live. How do you spell live? Okay, we're not going to throw you at the church if you spell it wrong. How do you spell live? How do you spell live? Okay, it's the same word. It just depends on where you put it. When Jesus would teach things like this, he would say, let him who has ears to hear, hear. And the, the pun was in the Greek word here because the word hear means hear and obey. So it's not the Bible you hear. It's not the Bible you read. It's not the preaching you listen to. It's the teachings of this word that you apply to your life that give you a different foundation. And so he says this, Everyone who hears my teachings and applies them to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on a... It didn't matter who was elected. It didn't matter what the economy was. It didn't matter what situation you were in. It didn't matter what's going on because I can tell you, I've lived long enough and many of you have too here as well to know the choices of others and the choices of leaders affect you whether you want them to or not. And then he says this, verse 25, and when the rains fell and the flood came with fierce winds beating on the house, it stood, it stood what? Why? Because it was what? Because of its strong foundation. Another translation says, because he built upon the rock, the rock, the word of God. But everyone who hears these teachings and what? does not apply them to their life, you can hear them. Remember, 
This isn't somebody who's an unbeliever. This isn't somebody who doesn't believe the Bible. This isn't somebody that doesn't come to church. This isn't somebody that doesn't listen to preaching. The difference is whether you apply it or not. It's not the truth you know that sets you free. It's the truth you apply to your life that sets you free. It's not the truth you've heard that gives you a foundation. It's the truth you apply. But anyone who does that, he can be compared to a foolish man who built his house upon, and when it rained, okay, that's kind of like a little Texas storm, and now we're getting to Lafayette, and now we're getting into the borders of Louisiana everywhere. And then came, now we're getting to Hurricane Katrina and beating upon the house. It what? And was, let me ask you a question. Do you want all of your life's work, family, finances, and future to be washed away in the storm? Or do you want to build a foundation that when all hell breaks loose and others are collapsing all around you, you have something that will not move? Which one do you want? Which one do you want? That's what Jesus is talking about. You see, the only difference between these two houses and whether one stood or one collapsed was not storms. See, some of us think if you're a Christian, like here's the Christian version of that. I gave my life to Jesus. So what normally would have been Hurricane Katrina was kind of like Gustavish. And instead of it being 100 mile an hour winds, it was like 30 mile an hour winds because I'm a Christian. And when the wind came, it wasn't really that strong. And when the water came, it only got about three inches in the ditch. But now... The heathen across the street, those sinners, all hell broke loose against them. 120 mile an hour winds, floods came, winds blew everything down. Is that what Jesus says in the story? Do you know what that means? That means that all of us are going to be affected by circumstances around us, regardless of what you build on, but the outcome of whether you stand or not, the difference is what you build. And then he goes on because he's explaining to us how we can build an unshakable foundation. Michelle and I, as of last Friday, have been married 39 years. We are now on 39 and three days. That woman has been blessed for 39 years and three days like no other woman in America. One time I said that in church. This is when we first started, and Pastor Eugene was sitting next to her, and she grabbed the microphone and told her side of the story. I then sent Pastor Eugene to Opelousas, so that can never happen again. I've led our church for 22 years since its inception, and I've led our church through many building projects. And can I tell you, there's three things I know that are absolutely true about building. How many have ever built a house or a barn or business, anything? Raise your hand. Okay. Here's what I know. Number one, it never goes as planned. Number two, 
It always costs more than you think. And number three, it's never finished in the time frame you started with. As a matter of fact, when, when people come to me and they tell me they're going to build a pastor, we're building this house and it's going to be $250,000 and we're just so excited or we're building this business is going to be a $2 million. I always say this, who's your builder? And they tell me, and I say this, what was Jesus' occupation when he was on earth? He was a, if you find a builder that builds for the price that he says and the time frame that he says, with the quality that he says, stop him. It's Jesus. And he came back and he's building it again. Because building is predicated on so many other things. The weather, people, people showing up, painters, whether they've been smoking or in their hospital list. I mean, all of these things. We asked you at the beginning a week ago to, to, to take a 21-day challenge with us to take 2021 and to take a 21-day challenge of prayer and fasting. And let me explain that because m many of us are going to fast different things. I, I know that some of you would like me to tell you, Pastor Jacob, well, what should I fast? I'm not going to tell you. I think that's between you and God. Because some of you, how many of you eat a little too much? Raise your hand. Okay, you definitely need to fast food. Okay. Some of you are on social media. How many of you ever look at that thing when it goes, and your FaceTime was 17 hours yesterday? Okay, you go, what? Okay, some of you need to fast social media. Some of you need to fast certain relationships. Uh, Michelle and I were away on our vacation, so what we did at lunchtime, I took, and instead of eating lunch, I just took my Bible. And instead of feeding my body, I fed my spirit. And so I would just take the Bible and read the Bible. Do you know there's 260 chapters in the New Testament? And if you take this over the 21 days of whatever season you are, whether you're listening to it or whether you're reading it, that you can take and you can listen or read the entire New Testament at this time if you want, or do any other num number of spiritual disciplines. But that is a practical way. Even in the course of life, you can take at lunchtime, get off by yourself, Take that word and begin taking in spiritual food instead of physical food. That's just a practical thing that we can do. But how many of you have areas of your life that when you're going to church and you're praying and you're reading your Bible, there's still areas of your life that are a mess? Don't raise your hand and don't point at people. How many of you have areas of your life where you feel like, why is this so difficult? I see other people and, and they don't struggle at all in this area. They're like, why is this so difficult for me? I call them foundational flesh patterns. Say that with me. Foundational flesh patterns. What's a flesh pattern? It's the inherited traits that you got from your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Let me tell you mine. Okay, every man in four generations of my family was a womanizer and a drinker. Now you know how Mexicans got the reputation that we have. My great-grandfather ran off with Pancho Villa in Mexico and left his family. My grandfather was immoral and ran around on his wife till the last five years of his life when he got saved. 
My father was married five times and all of my siblings have been through multiple relationships and all of those things. By God's grace, Michelle and I are the only people in my family line to be faithfully married and now for 39 years. And it's, it's a tribute to her and the grace of God. It is. It truly is. That is, that is the absolute 100% truth. And so today, I want to talk to you about those areas. I want to talk to you about the areas that would, it seems like, Pastor, I'm doing everything I should do. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm obeying God to the best of my ability. But it just seems like there's some stuff in my life. It just, this just keeps messing me up. It's a habit I can't get rid of. It's a personal relationship I keep going back to that's unhealthy for me. It's an anger habit that I have. It's an addiction habit that I have. I just had this in my life, and if I could get this out of my life, the quality of my life would be much different. Does anyone here besides me have areas of their life like that? Jesus, when he rose from the dead, gave his disciples power and authority. As a matter of fact, here's what happened when he rose from the dead. He looked at the disciples and he said this, and Mark 16, 17. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of what? My name. What is he saying? He's saying when there's devils in your life, you can drive them out by the power I'm giving you. And then you can drive them out of the power of other people's lives. They will speak with new tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking any poisonous thing. They will lay hands on the sick and what? In other words, he's giving them power over the strongholds of the devil to cast them out of their lives and to cast them out of the lives of other people. Stop. Because when many of you gave your life to Christ, some things just immediately left. When I, when I gave my life to Christ, I immediately, for the first time in my life, started living morally pure. I immediately stopped smoking dope and doing a few other things that will remain unnamed because this is being videoed. <laughs> Those immediately left. But can I tell you what was hard for me to quit? Any of you ever had a habit that was hard for you to get rid of? Come on, raise your hand. Okay. I, this sounds crazy. And it sounds so stupid and simple. If you're living morally pure, I couldn't stop smoking. Anybody here ever smoked before? Raise your hand. Have you ever smoked for a long time before? Raise your hand. And someone exhales like this. And you just get a little nose hits like. I mean, when people would do that, and you know what I missed? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I missed? I missed that burning. So when you take that first deep drag, you just go. Just that burning, I'm killing your lungs, sending cancer throughout all of your cells feeling. I mean, I, I could just, I, I missed that. And that was such a, you think, Pastor, you got freed from drugs. I know. Pastor, you got freed from immorality. I know. Pastor, you forgave your parents for all the things you've been exposed to. I know. But is it possible that there are powers that God has given you that normally work, but when you get to a place where something doesn't work, you need extra help? Well, you're not alone because this is exactly what happened to the disciples. Listen to what happens in Matthew 17. A man comes to Jesus. At the bottom of a mountain, they were met 
by a crowd of people waiting. And they approached a man who came out of the crowd and he fell on his knees begging, Master, have mercy on my son. He goes out of his mind and suffers terribly, falling into seizures. Frequently, he throws himself into the fire. And other times, he throws himself into the river. Now, here's the indictment. I brought him to your, but they could do nothing with him. Remember, Jesus had given them power over the devil. Jesus said, what a generation. No sense of God. No focus in your lives. How much longer do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. And he ordered the afflicting demon out, and it was. And from that moment on, the boy was well. When the disciples had Jesus off to themselves, they asked him, why did you embarrass us? Why doesn't this work? Why couldn't we throw him out? Have you been there? I'm praying. I'm reading. I'm obeying all that I know. I'm walking in faith, but I'm still struggling in this area foundationally of my life. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 20 and 21, because he gives them a new secret they didn't have before, a new revelation they didn't have before. And he told them, it was because of your lack of faith. I promise you, if you have the faith inside of you, no bigger than the size of a small mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move away from here and go over there and you will see it move. There is nothing you couldn't do. Now read this with me. But this kind of demon is only cast out through and in other words, he's now giving them something to help them. Something to give them power in a way they did not have before. They had faith, the word, prayer, and obedience. But now he was adding fasting to this. Why did Jesus do that? And why do these things working together bring such powerful transformation to our lives in the last five minutes, I want to address these five things and tell you how they work together and how you can use them this week all the way through in the following weeks to our 21 days to see breakthrough in the air of your lives where you've struggled previously. The first one he says is, it's faith. Faith. Say it with me, faith. Faith gives us access to all Christ has given us to his sacrificial death on the cross. The Bible says it like this. He became poor that we might be rich. What does that mean? This is not talking about financial. Jesus, who was righteous and blameless and holy, went to the cross. And at the cross, he laid down all of his righteousness to pick up all of our sin so that we could go to that same cross and lay down all of our sin and pick up his righteousness, which is right standing with God. You know how you practically experience that? Anybody here ask God to forgive you this week? Okay, you just prayed, just God forgive me. And immediately you felt cleansed. You know what that was? That was your old sinful account that Jesus emptied out and deposited all of his righteousness inside that you took part of and you do it every day effortlessly and no matter how much you call on it and no matter how stupid you are and how the sinful things that we do, it will never ever run dry and always be there for you every time that you're sincere. 
Every time that you're sincere, it will always be there for you. Faith is not a formula. It's not like, okay, we'll pray 10 more Hail Marys or pray 40 more Our Fathers. Faith is getting to the source. That's what this man did. He went, hey, your disciples couldn't do it? Let me go to the source. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean, there is nothing like being sincere and honest with God. There's nothing like being sincere and honest with God. And until you are, you're not really walking in faith because God knows and you know. A king tried to give all kinds of animals to cover up his disobedience. And God chose another king after him named David. And you know what God said to him? David, I don't want all these offerings and sacrifices and silver and golden animals. The sacrifices of God are a broken and a humble spirit. Do you want to get God's attention? Be broken and humble. And when you do, then you're truly acquiring and accessing faith. Here's the second thing. The word. They were obeying the word of Jesus. This book reveals to us the purpose and the promises of God. You were created by this word. See, people confuse this as like, oh, yeah, I've read the Bible. It's a history. The Bible's not a history book. Jesus said these words are spirit and they are life. You don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. When you're worried, it points out your worry and gives you fear, faith instead of fear. When you're in panic, it gives you peace instead of panic. This book right here has the words of eternal life and you were made by it. And you've heard me say it many times. When God made you, he breathed into the dust of the earth and he made you a living being. And every time you read this book, God's breathing on you. And listen to me, every child of God that's ever struggled, I got a Bible that's filled with all kinds of underlying notes and everything in the whole world. You know why? Because I've been reading this. Everybody been, you ever been reading the Bible and a scripture jumps out and you know it's just for you? Raise your hand. How many of those ever happened to you? You know what I do? I take that word and I have held on to that word for years until the promise then became the provision right before my very eyes. This word, this word right here, that's what he is calling you and me to do. And what's interesting is Jesus said that word is like the rock. If you hear these words on the bed, you'll be like the one building on the rock. You know what sand is? Sand is rock that's been eroded over time. And you know what's happened to the values of this book in our society, the world has beat them and beat them and beat them and pulled them out of our schools and pulled them off of the wall and pulled them out of the public arena and pulled them off of TV. But you know what? It still is the rock. If you believe it, stand on it and hold on to it. Here, here's the third thing. It's prayer. But let, let me help you. Prayer is simply communication with God. It's your thoughts to God as well as what you talk when you sing, speaking to God. It's your thoughts. How many of you ever pray in your thoughts? Raise your hand. You pray in your thoughts. It's your thoughts to God. But it's also what you say to God. Can I challenge you during this 21 days? Let prayer be two-way communication 
How many of you have people that only call you when they want something? Children? You, you know what I knew when my children were growing up? One of my children called me a couple years ago. They said, hey, Dad, my first question, what do they want? What do they need? How much is it going to cost me? And all the parents said, and they stopped and they said, how are you doing? And I went, this is a trap. <laughs> this, this is a trap. I know they want something. This is a trap. I said, how are you doing? I said, good. What you need? And they said, I just called to see how you were doing, Daddy. You're always checking on other people. I just want to call and check on you. Parents, you better clap right now because you're telling your children what they need to do for you. Real prayer, look at me, It's two-way communication. Can I ask you a profound thought? When's the last time you asked God what was on his mind? When's the last time you said, God, what, what do you see in me? What, what do you see in the world? What, what do you want me to do? We live in the age of communication and from our phones to our computers to TV to every other stream of media, messages are being bombarded to us that are so temporary and most of them so stupid and most of them all built upon the sand. But if you stop... You can hear from the person that will never, ever, ever, ever change. And he can tell you exactly how to build your life. So right now, we're going to pray. And look at me. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. What does God want you to do in this fast? And he's got something to say to every person here. For some of you, look at me. It's an addiction. It's a habit. You, you know what fasting really is? It's spiritual thanksgiving. How many of you like Thanksgiving? Turducken? Boudin balls, crackling, boudin straight links, king cake, any kind of cake, pumpkin pie, crawfish stuffing, cornbread stuffing, shrimp stuffing, stuff stuffing. You, you know what I would do leading up? I would go, man, I didn't eat very much today, but Thanksgiving coming. <laughs> Thanksgiving's coming. Let's make this spiritual Thanksgiving. Let's just steal time away and say, I'm going to get in this book. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to listen to great worship and allow it to soak in. I'm going to soak in the presence. I'm going to put on a headset. I'm going to get off by myself. I'm going to put myself in my car at lunch, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to spend time with the one that loves me the most. And that which I normally starve, I'm feeding. And that's which I normally feed three times a day at least that I normally start, I'm going to feed it, and we're going to feast spiritually. For some of you, God's asking you to lay down a relationship. It's unhealthy for the foundation of your life. 
I don't know what it is. But here's what I do know. If we will stop and we will ask the Holy Spirit, He will tell you. And that's what I want to do right now. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Come and speak to us. You said those that hear your word and apply it to their lives will build an unshakable foundation. Spirit, as you've spoken to every one of us today, we surrender to obey you, to not deceive ourselves and just hear, and to take this time of fasting as a concentrated effort, a concentrated effort to go to those broken foundation places in our life of fear and insecurity and resentment or unforgiveness or addiction or worry or depression and to let you work on them. Now tell him right there quietly and reverently what you're going to do in obedience to him and to what he's saying. Lord, we commit to hear and obey. Jesus' name. And now with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. Jesus said in John chapter 3 to a very religious man named Nicodemus, unless you're born again, Nicodemus, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying to Nicodemus? Since Adam and Eve, every person born has been born spiritually dead, but you never become spiritually alive until the moment you're born again. A religious man didn't understand that. You see, you can be religious and still be spiritually dead. My birthday is June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in a chemistry lab. That day... I was born again.
The old Jacob died and was forgiven and a new one was spiritually raised from the dead with Christ as he was resurrected. And though I've struggled and had ups and downs since that day, I have been spiritually alive since that day. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good enough? That's a great start. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. How do I do that? It's as easy as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer. And he took all of your sin upon the cross. Someone is going to die for your sin. Either he did or you will. And see, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin, as you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again. You can't say yes to God without saying no to some things you've been saying yes to. That's the obedience. That's the applying for you to be born again. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to be born again today. And I'm going to pray for you. Just as we do every weekend, nobody's going to be looking but me. But on the account of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if today you know you need to be born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. But if you've never been born again, and you say, Pastor, today, today I want to begin my spiritual journey. Today I want to surrender to God. I want to die to the old me. I want to be raised spiritually from the dead. If that's you, on a count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, God's calling you. He's calling you. Two, every circumstance in your life is led up to this moment. It's led up to this moment for you to obey Him, to be born again. And today's that day. Three, if that's you, lift your hand all over this building. I'm going to pray for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Lift it high so I can see it. Fourteen. Anywhere else? You can put your hand down. Last ten seconds. If you didn't raise your hand with these fourteen, but you've never prayed to be born again and you want to begin your spiritual journey today, I'm going to give you ten seconds to join them. That's you. I want you to raise your hand and wave it at me going, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. That's me. I need. You're asking this last time for me. If that's you, raise your hand and wave it at me. Wave it at me. All right, 15, 16. All right. 17. I see it back in the back. Now, church, let's pray out loud. All of those of you that raised your hand, we're going to join you in prayer as we pray with you to be born again, just as we did when we were born again. Let's pray out loud with them, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name.